my purpose as an entrepreneur is to make sure that no one feels that they're stupid and to let everyone know that there's a subject out there that they're good in and that no matter what anyone says, as long as they put their mind to it, they will succeed as a business person, whether you work as an employee or as an entrepreneur or a businessman or woman. Thanks for tuning in to the Purposeful Story Podcast, where purpose drives our actions and our actions are a result of our purpose. When you have a strong enough purpose, every action you take in life has meaning and power to it. Every entrepreneur is on a journey to fulfill their purpose, and the world needs to hear it. So without further ado, let's get right into the show. All right, welcome to the Purposeful Story Podcast. Today we have Menelik Luke, owner of Tailored Tutoring, a tutoring company that helps students of all ages to advance their learning inside and outside the classroom. Menelik, yes. thanks for coming on the show today, man. Anytime, man. Glad to, glad to be here. No problem, no problem. So let's get right into it, man. Yeah. What what made you want to become a tutor? Like, what made you want to start a tutoring company? Yeah. So the full name is Luke's Taylor Tutor, and Taylor Tutor is like the short form, whichever works best. Mm-hmm. And what made me really want to start this because um, I played soccer growing up, and a lot of my teammates wanted to get scholarships to go to the states mm-hmm. or even schools here in Canada. Yeah. So the main thing that I would always do is I try to help them out. Uh, I've been tutoring since I was like grade six. Jeez. Um, I didn't really see a lucrative market until I was about 18. That's mm-hmm. when I registered the company around that age. And what made me really start to make it a business is because so many people wanted the attention, my attention to help them, but I didn't really have a deciding factor to see who I was going to help. So I started like at $5 for the hour, worked up from 5 to 20 and so on and so forth. And the main essence for starting is really just to help people um, achieve their goal. Because especially in North America or any developing nation, education is really what gets you to where you want to get to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you said you were you started tutoring from when you were in grade six? Yeah. I'd, it was like I would stay after school and help kids. And like my, my kid, I was a kid too, but help like people my age or mm-hmm. even older who had troubles, right? Because it was pretty good with writing. Mm-hmm. So I started from my grade six. Yeah. That's interesting. Like at that age, you know what I mean? People were already gravitating towards you to actually help you. Yeah. It's because I wasn't always the smartest kid. Like I get like 80 to 85, Mm -hmm. but you have kids who are getting 90s. But I was, like I said, I wasn't always the smartest kid, but I was most willing to help. Mm -hmm. Right. So I wasn't going to belittle you. I wasn't going to say, how come you don't get this? It was more like I would tell you I was going to help you and you didn't have a choice. Everything mm. right, and that made people really want me want my help because it's hard sometimes to ask for help because you feel like you're less than a person. Mm-hmm. But when someone tells you, "Look, I'm going to help you. You have no choice," then they they feel like, "Okay, well, you know what? He said that, so mm. now I don't feel like I'm less of a person because he didn't give me a choice." Yeah. So by doing that at, at such a young age, I'm like, "You're gonna come after school. We're gonna sit down here." Mm. Right. By telling my friends that, cause I'm like, I want to go to grade seven with you. So I don't want you being back in grade six when I'm in grade seven. Mm-hmm. So by telling my friends that they became more comfortable and they actually started to come out and say like, Hey, actually, I do need your help mm-hmm. without me having to tell them and give them help. Okay. Yeah. That's solid, man. Yeah. Like, where'd that come from? Is that something you've always had inside of you? Like willing oh, to just, yeah. <laughs> you know, I thought about that. It comes from my mom and my dad. Um, it's because my dad would always tell me he's going to help me mm-hmm. with something. And same thing with my mom. So if I had troubles with something and I was trying to figure out my own, my dad's like, I'm going to show you how to do this once. 
mm. then you're on your own. And same thing with my mom too. So it, I think it, that's where it had to have come from. My sisters are the same. I have three older sisters. Mm-hmm. They're all were the same with me as well. They're like, I'm going to show you how to do this once. When mm-hmm. it came down like to washing dishes, to like vacuuming carpets, to cooking food, they're like, pay attention because I'm going to show you this once. Mm-hmm. And I just had continuous support as okay. well, Fans, especially cousins as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're basically you're paying it for it pretty much. Yeah, it paying it for it. It becomes second nature. So if I see someone like stuck on the side of a road. And they say, look, I called CAA. I'm like, do you have a spare tire? Yes. Do you have a wrench? Yes. Okay. I'm going to help you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to help you because you're at the side of the road and the car can probably hit you by the time CAA gets here. Yeah, yeah. So that's the kind of person I am. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Solid, man. Solid. So where did you, man, like, where did you grow up? I grew up, so I was, I was born in Scarborough General Hospital. So Scarborough I lived there for about six or seven years mm-hmm. after I was born. And then I moved out to Whitby in Durham. Okay. So I would say I grew up predominantly in Durham region, Whitby. Okay. Yeah. And how is that? I mean, you moved on there when you were young, but yeah. I mean, how has that changed for you? Do you remember it? Like, was I it- remember it. The, it was a culture shop because, um, Scarborough is more multicultural. Yeah. And I moved out to Whitby. It wasn't as multicultural. Yeah. So it was yeah. a shock to me at first, especially for my older sister because they were probably 12 or 15 at that time. Mm-hmm. But it was something to adjust to because mm-hmm. at that time, I was just used to meeting all kinds of people. And, yeah. And then when the change happened, I just had to just adapt. Mm-hmm. So the change was, I'm thinking back now, it was, it was pretty big at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And do you still, are you still connected with, I mean, a lot of people from, from Scarborough as well? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Was, I really only knew family at that point. Mm-hmm. The friends I knew in grade kindergarten, I mean, we'd see each other at school and stuff, but we never really... Even when I was down there, we never really chilled outside of school. Yeah. But it was family. I was really always at family's house. Because I had family living down the street, three blocks over. I was to always be there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's solid, man. That's solid. So, when did Luke Taylor Tutoring actually start? Like, when did you actually register the company? Registered in 2011. Okay. 2011 is when it was registered. That's when I decided to go down to... I went down to the ministry and I registered. I had no clue what I was doing. They said, you got to search up names, do all this kind of stuff. Found out the, taint, the name was there. So I, did, I took it, got our domain and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's when I actually registered it. Mm-hmm. But I felt like after registering it, I didn't. it didn't really feel more official because nothing else changed. The, the work ethic was still the same. Mm-hmm. It's just now that I own that domain. That's probably the main difference that yeah. I felt after that. Okay, yeah. okay. So it's interesting that you said that, like nothing really changed. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I mean, you can have a website, you can, you know, have a name of a company, you can have a registered business. Yeah. But, um, if you don't have that work ethic and that passion behind what you're doing, mm-hmm. then it's just a name really, right? Isn't it's true. And that's, and that's really what it comes down to is just a name on a piece of paper or on a website mm-hmm. on, on the internet. And it, you, you have to put the work ethic in. So, the way that I looked at it is that my cousins do business too. Like I have a, a cousin in Jamaica who's named Kedon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's always talking about his friends getting married. And he's just like, it's just like kind of like a marriage. He said, like, you you meet someone before. Mm-hmm. And when you get married, you should treat them exactly the same. Mm-hmm. It's just a marriage. It's just a significant, it's just a paper that's saying you and so are now together. Yeah. That's the way he broke it down to me. And he's like, if you're doing um, a business, that's the way it is. It's just saying 
you and this business are now together. Mm-hmm. Nothing should change. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be working any harder than what you were before, and you shouldn't work any less because now it's yours. Mm-hmm. So like, when he broke it down to him, just like like that, I'm just like, wow, actually, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it keeps you motivated. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, there's an abundance of tutoring companies out there, man. Like, yeah. just more and more popping up every day. Yeah. Um, but I feel like with this industry... There's room for everybody to be a tuner, like the tutor. There's business for everybody. Yeah. But you know what? What is it that you, as a tutor, like your company? What is it that your company does differently than other tutoring companies out there? Yeah, that's, that's a question I get from all the parents, yeah. right? The main thing is we sit down with each student and we do an assessment with them, mm-hmm. which every other tutoring company does. The main difference is we incorporate the teachers into the process. Mm. So we'd make a plan. And we send the plan to the parent, the student, the teachers at the school. Because at the end of the day, they see the student on an everyday basis. Mm-hmm. And then what we do after that is say, we say, like, do you want to move forward with this plan? And they said, sure. Okay. Then we do a payment. Now, what many people don't see is that we decline just as many students as we take on. Interesting. Yeah, we do. The, we're not taking on every and every kind of student because I work with, I have a team of tutors. Mm-hmm. So if I have, if I have a parent... Most of the times, it, it, it is the parent, not even the student. If we have a parent that's not going to comply with us, that's not going to respond to us or do the things that we ask them to do, we know this is going to be a failing project, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not going to let someone invest like a, a thousand, two thousand dollars into their into their child, knowing it well in my heart that this is going to fail. Mm-hmm. So when I talk to parents, their attitude matters. The student's attitude matters, right? And whenever parents we tell parents, no, we can't work with you because we know that there's someone else that actually wants to do this. They get upset. But in the, the day, we want to make sure that if we're going to promise you something that it's actually going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, we turn down like almost the same amount of students as we take on. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And that says a lot about, you know, holding true to your values as a company. Yeah. Um, because I've had that experience too, right? Like when I first started, I started taking on everybody, taking on everybody. And then, um, I realized that not all business is good business. That's right. right. Yeah. You know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta hold true to the values of your company. And, and that is eventually, uh, actually what will, what will make you the most successful, not just taking on everybody. That's true. And you, you'll notice that with too, because I have to understand that I personally don't tutor anymore, mm-hmm. but I had to, like, I remember doing it. And I remember working with someone who was only there because their parents told them to be there. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to work with someone who doesn't want it. Mm. It comes out to coaching. I used, I used to coach kids in soccer too. When you have to coach a, uh, a player who doesn't actually want it, it's like, it's, it's almost impossible. Yeah. I can give you everything I want, but if you don't want to do the right workouts or the right techniques, I can't, I can't make you better. Mm-hmm. So, when it comes down to good business and bad business, I got to put myself in the tutor's shoes and say, you know, do they, even though they're going to get paid well, do they, would you want to wake up and go to work and say, man, I don't want to work with this kid anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like working with this kid. And the answer is like, no, I wouldn't want anyone to be in that situation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. That's solid, man. So you mentioned that you're not tutoring anymore. Yeah. Um, that's good, man. That means that business is, is, is moving pretty well, yeah. right? How did, <laughs> yeah. when did you, because I'm sure you, you started out on your own, right? Right. At what point in time did you realize, hey, I need to hire more tutors? I started looking. So I don't, I don't, so good question. I don't plan business more than three months at a time mm-hmm. because I created a one year plan and it changed within literally 
two months. Mm-hmm. So when I when I started to to look, I'm thinking like, okay, three months down the road, what is what is my business going to look like, right? And then I realized like a whole bunch of people were coming in. I'm just like, if I don't start to hire people now, I'm going to be swamped. So that was basically I started in 2011. I started hiring people by six months, six months afterwards, mm-hmm. and I'm just like. I told everyone, I don't know if I'm going to have work for you. This is going to be very casual part-time. Mm-hmm. And then within like three or four weeks of bringing them on, I, I had like four or five students for them mm-hmm. to work around their schedules as well. A lot of them were teachers. A lot of them were students as well at mm-hmm. university. And they're like, I can only tutor after four. I'm like, great, because kids don't get home until like three. They chill out for a bit and then you can tutor them after, right? Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, I didn't know that I need to hire someone until about, until about three months in. And then I started hiring people for sure, for sure, six months after it started. Mm-hmm. And you got to think like me times two times three times four helps more people, brings in more revenue than just me by myself. Absolutely. Yeah. And if I get sick, if I get sick and I catch the flu for like three or four days, who's going to back me up? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I got to think more of this like a team effort instead of like a solo run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's solid, man. That's solid. And... Even when you say that, that's interesting because, you know, a lot of people, when they're creating a business, they, they, they have these one-year plans, they have these five-year plans, but yeah. um, things can take a shift, yeah. you know, within a few hours, right? Yeah. So, it's it's good to be able to work on the fly like that and be flexible in that aspect. Yeah, and I... I, I get the one and five year plan back in the seventies when things weren't moving so fast. <laughs> like, cause I, I was reading up about it and that's when five year plans were like really predominant. Mm-hmm. But like 10 years ago, no one knew Amazon was going to do what they're going to do. Yeah. Right. And if you sell an actual physical product, if you're not selling it through Amazon or having like a warehouse through them, you know, you couldn't have put that in your plan even five years ago because you never expected it. Yeah. Now let's just say five years ago, you made a plan. And this is the fourth or fifth year and you're still executing that plan. You don't have internet. You don't have Facebook, Instagram in there. Then you're losing already yeah. in my book. If yeah. you don't have a website because maybe websites weren't as predominant back then. You're losing already. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like in the next three months, something can can pop up. And if you don't jump onto it or put some investment into it, even though you might lose, you're, you're like you're already losing mm-hmm. pretty much. Mm-hmm. So it's just like I'm looking at that. I'm just like even as a consumer – the way I take in information and stuff is kind of the same way I put out information as well. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not just me. I'm not the one that started this. It's like you can see a whole bunch of companies have been doing this back to like Roman times. People were doing that too. Yeah. Yeah. Right? For sure. So it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Um, another interesting thing about you is that, you know, you went to um, for, to full-time school. Like mm-hmm. you have, you have a degree in kinesiology, right? Yes. Um, and at the same time, you know, you're running, you, you've, you've, you've finished school and you're running your own business. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your, I guess, what's your take on, you know, starting your own business versus going to school, like taking the school route? Yeah. Like what, what's your whole ideology behind that? That's a good question. I would say do them both at the same time mm-hmm. in a perfect world. That's what I did. And it's not impossible. It's, it's actually not, it's not hard to do at all. Yeah. The business works around when you are available. When mm-hmm. you're at school and you're studying, you're not available. If you got to stay up late to work on your business, that's when you're available. So I would tutor in between my classes. I'd stay on campus. There's no point in me going home and just go watch TV. I tutor in between, in, in between, create my business, my three or four, 
month business plan in between. Now, if you had to choose between the two, um, like if you said I had to go to do business or I have to go to school, I would I would honestly say do the business. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because a lot of us go to school for something because we feel pressured into doing it. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to school for something that doesn't have a need, I, I even tell my students this all the time, there's there's no point. Yeah. Right? I, I wouldn't say go to school to try to find yourself. I would say run a business to try to find yourself. Absolutely, yeah. Right? Because that's where you're going to find yourself. Now, if, you go, if you're going to school, like I went to school for kinesiology, you need to get a degree to become a registered kinesiologist. Yeah. Right? But if you're going to school for something that doesn't need require you to be registered or licensed, and you can do that through experience, then why don't you just run a business through that? Yeah. Right. Um, um, an example is like my my friend. He's going to school for journalism, right? Mm-hmm. And I always say we need a lot of journalists. But if you don't require a degree to work at a company, you search up the top ten companies you want to work for. If they don't require you to have a degree, but they require you to have they require you to have experience. Then why don't you get experience running your business as mm-hmm. a journalism, like or as a or as a journalist company? Mm-hmm. Then when they go to you and they're just like, okay, so because a lot of them graduate, right? And they're just like, well, what they go to their company and like, well, what do you want to like? What experience do you have? They're like, I have a four year degree. Okay, but what co op experience do you have? Like, mm-hmm. how do I know how my basically the way companies are seen is like, how do I know if I pay you 40 grand for the year that you're going to be returned my investment if you haven't even done it? Mm-hmm. And that's why companies say you require eight years of experience, four years of experience before you graduate. Cause you should be, if you're going to go to school for it, you should be running a company at the same time. Mm-hmm. So by the time you graduate, you have four years of experience. It's not impossible. You could have yeah. five years of experience too. Yeah. Right. So it is really not impossible. So whenever students tell me that they, they're choosing between the two, I say, why don't you try to run a business for what, a year to two years after high school? If you don't, then you go to school, mm-hmm. right? Or you can go to school and try to run a business afterwards and try to leverage that the fact that you went to school to attract new customers to come to your business. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my take on it. It's, you could do either or, or the other one. Mm-hmm. Like if, you, if you're going to be living at home with your mom and dad, run the business. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because you can't try to do that when you're like, you got a bunch of 35, expenses, yeah. 35, and you have kids running around, and then your mom and dad are saying that you can't stay here anymore, for instance. It's hard to run a business then. Mm-hmm. So, if my business crashed tomorrow, I have my kid degree to follow upon. Yeah. Right? And if my if I get laid off for tomorrow by tomorrow for any reason, I have my business to follow upon. So, should I kind of... I say I would say ultimately do both if you can't and try doing the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's solid, man. That's, that's well said. Because, you know... There's this ideology, you know, society has put on people that school is the ends all means all. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, especially like times of change, right? Like I feel like mm-hmm. education specifically, just schooling isn't going to be the one thing that's going to get you where you need to get to. Right. Yeah. And um, also, I also find it interesting how, you know, you'll go to school, but you'll have a lot of teachers teaching you things that they don't even have experience in themselves. Right. You know what I mean? I found that, I always found that so funny. We had a science professor. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were actually, there were substitutes sort of subbing in. Yeah. And they were talking about something about biology, right? About mitosis and all that stuff and the splitting of cells. And I, and I said to her, I'm just, and I'm just like, you ever, have you ever been in a lab before? Mm-hmm. And she said, no, but everyone knows that this is one phase in mitosis where the cells split apart. Yeah. And I said, well, if you actually haven't been in the lab, how are you telling us this? Is this theoretical or is this practical? Yeah. And she got upset. And I'm, I'm just saying because, you know, you're telling us this as if it is definite, 
right through through science but yet you have never actually experienced this mm-hmm. so i got the reason why i said it because I, I was i was upset at the time i'm just like i feel like i'm spending all this money for you to tell me something that I could learn on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> and I felt so, I felt so aggravated by this because she was up there reading off of the PowerPoint slides. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, if this is the case, I'm not coming back to class. Yeah. 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 Because I can read off how pow- I know how to read. Right. Yeah. So it's just like, whenever I ask for experiences, I just like, I, that, that, those are the kinds of things that help me remember things on tests. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, Okay, if you've never actually seen this, you've never actually been in a bio lab, how are you teaching a bio lab? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you have no experience as a biologist, why are you teaching this yeah. as if you are a professional? Because it's, it's just like whenever people talk about business, but they never run a business, but they watch like a, a five-minute crash course video on YouTube. It's like <laughs> you can't talk about a business if you never ran one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like we should hold educators the same way. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be talking about something when you haven't done it. But mind you, there are a lot of educators who actually have that experience and it's not fair because they don't get the justice because when they're categorized into this large group of people who don't understand things when there's a select few that actually experience it when the field did the, did the right work mm-hmm. where some of where some others just actually just read out of a textbook right mm-hmm. so i think yeah it's different between those two as well yeah man absolutely well said well said so i mean just to put it in numbers how many students have you guys tutored like overall you know what we do that every january so last january we passed 800 jeez yeah since 2011 so we 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 passed 800 and it's been more since then that's crazy yeah but then then again we've turned back quite a quite a few as well yeah yeah yeah. so 800 are the ones that we've qualified for our tutoring program okay yeah is that in that's in total that's in total okay yeah that's that's solid man Thanks, man. That's yeah. that's a lot of. I mean, and how many people do you have on your team? Right, right now, now, there's about forty. Okay, 40 people on our team. That's solid, man. Yeah, so they don't all work full time. Mm-hmm. A lot of them work part time in between their classes. But as soon as they graduate, they're kind of looking for their main career position. Yeah. And even like we have one guy who moves in this main career position. He works at OPG. He still does tutoring after working on the weekends because he just didn't want to stop so we say it's more of a we say the way it is is as long as you're able to be patient and teach while and have the time for students you can continue with us Mm -hmm. while you're doing your career as well okay yeah that's solid man that's solid so what's next for for luke's taylor tutoring yeah you know what we're actually making we're creating an app right now Okay. And um, we're actually in the final stages of it. So we're working with the developer there. And, you know, basically we're going to do, we're going to put a way so that we can connect people a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Right now we have a bottleneck because like we have, like as we speak, we have 20 students who we need to set up assessments with. Mm-hmm. And we have, we don't have enough tutors right now. That's the honest truth. Mm-hmm. And basically they get put on a waiting list. So I'm just, and I have to tell them like, look, there are here are the other tutoring companies who we have affiliations with, and they're just like, no, we want to work with you. Mm-hmm. Someone's like, you might wait three or four months. Like, I don't know. I'm telling you right now, I don't know if we're gonna have something for you. And they're like, no, no, we're gonna wait. So then, it's good. It's, it's very flattering, but at the same time, I'm thinking at the I'm thinking of the student. Yeah, we got to find a way to expedite this process, which is why we came up with this app. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very. I, I've actually we have a wireframe, which basically means like you can interact with it, but it's not fully functional. Mm-hmm. And I'm liking the way it is right now. Okay. So it's gonna be it's gonna be able to expedite this process where someone gets 
or someone needs a tutor, they'll get one within like two to three days. Okay. And instead of having to wait for me to organize everything or my team. Okay. Yeah. That's solid, man. That's, yeah. that's, that's kind of what's next. Okay. Expedite the process. Okay. Impressive. As a business owner, the more you can leverage your time, the better it is for your company. There is this amazing online resource called Fiverr, where you can hire someone for just $5 to do just about any task for you, whether it be logo design, market research, videography, or website building, Fiverr has it all. Please go to iamkobe.com forward slash resources and click on the Fiverr icon to make an account. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Welcome to the Purpose Round, where we ask the right questions that really bring out the purpose behind our entrepreneurs and their journey. Okay, Luke, what is your purpose as an entrepreneur? My purpose as an entrepreneur is to make sure that no one feels that they're stupid and to make to let everyone know that there's a subject out there that they're good in and that no matter what anyone says, as long as they put their mind to it, they will succeed as a business person, whether you work as an employee or as an entrepreneur or a businessman or woman. Okay. Okay. And what is an everyday habit that adds value to your purpose? I personally, I'm not the type of person that stays up, uh, that wakes up early. I stay up late, mm-hmm. send a lot of emails out late. And then I also like to make people laugh and charm. And I like to not talk so much about numbers and stuff when I talk with people, but more about things, how they, how they feel, what mm-hmm. makes them feel happy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If you could have a conversation with one person, living or dead, who would it be and why? Um, it would have to be Haile King Selassie. He's okay. one of the leaders of Ethiopia who passed away, the last monarch of Ethiopia, who was able to develop Ethiopia from, what's quote unquote, a third world nation into a first world nation mm-hmm. over a short period of time. And he's really renowned for that too. Okay. As a person. Okay. Yeah. That's big. What is your main strategy for organizing your day? Main strategy is to keep a calendar either on my phone or a hard copy and just to make sure I fall with everyone um, the day before or the day and the day after as well. And that's how I keep organized pretty much and just put everything back in like hour by hour. Okay. Hour by hour. Yeah. What was your worst entrepreneurial moment and what did you learn from it? My worst entrepreneurial moment was scheduling... Um, Scheduling a session with about 12 people to do an online, uh, to, to help them with their online work. And I put it two weeks later in my phone. Mm. So basically they were waiting there for an hour or two hours waiting for me to come online. And I wasn't going to be online until two weeks later. Oh boy. So that was the worst moment. I called everyone back. I apologize. And I was just, I felt so bad. I'm like, it's such a rookie mistake. Yeah. But we were able to schedule something literally the next day. Okay. So like everything got done the next day and they were still able to do well. Okay. Yeah. So like for those 12 hours, I was like crushed. <laughs> if you had to build a business from the ground up with only $100, how would you leverage that? I, I probably wouldn't even spend a dollar. Um, I never spend money to start businesses. Mm-hmm. I work with people I've worked with before mm-hmm. and I would just keep the $100 I probably put in like an a TF, TFSA account, let it grow interest. Nice. And I would just ask people to volunteer their time in return that if the business does well, they'll be compensated based off that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, that's a good strategy to actually find real people that you yeah. want to work for you, right? Absolutely. Yeah. If you put, cause you're going to need people, no matter how much you need, you use electronics, you're going to need, you're going to need people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Which app or online tool do you use every day to help contribute to your success? The, the online tool is Instagram. Right now it's Instagram and Facebook. A lot of parents are on Facebook. A lot of students are on Instagram. And I mean, I, we just post funny pictures. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with education. Like maybe like Jack and Jill is sitting on a hill and then the teachers ask, what's the mass of the sun? Something like yeah. that. Like you, we just take that and post it. Okay. And then that, that students like that. And we post some more serious stuff on Facebook. So like I did a podcast like last year, we posted a clip of it there and parents liked it. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, that's pretty much what we do. Facebook okay. and Instagram. Okay. Okay. What's the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I've ever received was from my dad. And it's f- the reason why I started the tutoring company. And so I we were sitting at the dinner table and I was posting ads on Kijiji to do a tutoring. And, my, and I, just, I just thought like, this is just too much work. I thought about all the big tutoring companies. And I remember my dad, he told me, he, he seen something on my head. He seen something on my mind. And I just kind of brushed him off. And then I told him like that, I want to start this educational company. I don't know where it's going to go, but I just want to really want to help people. And the advice he gave me, which is more of a statement, but he's just like, son, sometimes I feel that you should look up to me, but most of the time I look up to you. Mm. And anything that you do, I know for sure it would be better than mine. And I did pretty good. Mm. Yeah. So, like, when he said that, like, honestly, I felt like that was a defining moment because that's when I started to go really hard at it. Okay. Yeah. So, his more of the advice was just like, honestly, if I can do it and I know you're better than me, then you can definitely do better. Okay. And it's more of a subjective kind of thing, but I took that. That's all I needed, yeah. Nice, nice. What are your top three most influential books? Um, It's a good question. Um, One of them is Neuromancer. It's about the short form. It's basically about a book that's written way back in the 80s, I believe. And it's it's basically showing how everyone's thoughts will be into one mainframe. Mm-hmm. And you can access education very easily. So you basically put a chip in your ear and you can become a doctor overnight. That's Neuromancer. It's a really good book to read. It's complicated. I had to read it twice to understand it, but it's mm-hmm. a good book. Sorry. Well, the second book is 1984 by George Orwell. Mm-hmm. And that's a book basically about Big Brother being watched and stuff. And it's so funny because that book was made, I can't remember. I think it's either in the 40s or the 60s, but it was based about is based on 1984, what the world would be like. Mm-hmm. And George Orwell is pretty much spot on for it to be in today and how like Google can track, track your, even if you turn it off your, your location, they can track your movements and stuff mm-hmm. and everything is tracked. That was the second book. And the last book would be Lord of the Flies. Mm-hmm. We actually had to read that in grade school. Yeah. And Lord of the Flies to me was how a business can fail. Mm. Pretty much. And it's, if you remember in the book, they were pretty much thinking of how they, they could keep a fire. What was more important, hunting or doing the fire, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of, like, I remember one, I hope no one has, I, hope, I don't want to spoil the book, but basically a character dies in the book, yeah. certain decisions. And I'm here going crazy because, you know, this is an easy decision. But basically the character dies because they prioritize something over another, mm-hmm. which they shouldn't have. And the last one I should say, that's the fourth book, is A Measure of a Man by Sidney Poitier. Mm-hmm. And um, he's a black actor as well. I read his book. And it's it really, what I learned from that book is stress is stress no matter what. If you're poor, if you're rich, stress affects people all the same way. Mm-hmm. And it's just like how you show it. So when people are put into stressful situations, 
they feel that stress. But some people, when people say that they don't get stressed out, it's just they deal with it a bit better. Mm-hmm. But they are that everyone does feel stress. Yeah, and it's just the way you you act on the stress. So some people use it pro- to propel them, or some people use it and they hold them back. Mm-hmm. And that's the main message I got from that book as well. I'm also writing the book as well. Nice, and I've been writing it for the last two years, and I'm planning to p- publish that later on this year. Okay, yeah. So it's just about the the origins of Africa. And how history could be different if someone else like myself had a pen to rewrite it. That's sick. Yeah, so that's going to come out as well. That's sick. I'm definitely going to cop that, man. For <laughs> sure. For sure. Tell us something that you think is true about business that most people don't agree with you on. Business is not for everyone. I When I tell someone that I think you're a businessman, I truly mean that. And it should be a big, compl- a big compliment. Because there are people who do business. And I, I what the people don't agree with when I tell them they're not. they're not cut out for this mm. like you could be a good employee you could be a good staff member but you're not a good business person mm-hmm. and those are people i always find who always try to do the work all by themselves mm-hmm. and they get drowned in the work and they either try to save money or they give the work to someone they like to micromanage and no one agrees when i say this i'm just like when someone tells me when do i stop when do i stop doing business when i when do i know when i'm, I'm not succeeding and i ask them um tell me about your decisions. Do you ask someone for help and give them a piece of the cut or you try to do it by yourself? Mm. And if they always say, I try to do it by myself, I'm like, then you're not a business person because a business person finds a specialist and they have them do the work. Then they take a small percentage of the fee. You pay the specialist more money. You take a small percentage because you're not doing most of the work, but then you get multiple people to do a lot of the work where you take a small portion of each of the work. Mm-hmm. That way they're compensated properly and you still get paid more at the end of the day because you have many people working for you. Mm-hmm. And if for any reason no one thinks like that, I just think that you're not a business person. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't have to start out that way. But when you realize it's getting there, then you just realize that you have to outsource work. Absolutely. And if you don't do that, you're not a business person. No one agrees with that. And I mean, I'm not going to say that's a definite definition of it. But whenever someone asks me about their business and I start talking to them, I'm just like, you're, I think you're like you're not the number one person. Like this, this idea is your idea, but you'd make more money if you gave it to someone else and you stuck on, you you stayed on as like the Robin to the Batman or something. Mm-hmm. Don't try to be the Batman all the time because you're not going to succeed. And when sometimes when people hear that, it it's hard. But it, I'm only telling them that because I'm just like you're going to be stuck on the same idea for five years. And you could have had someone else propel that for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's that's mostly the advice that people disagree with me on the most. That's powerful, man. And yeah. and that's that's something that I actually struggled with when I first started like my first business too, right? I tried yeah. to do everything at once. But as I started understanding like the tactics of business mm-hmm. on the core of it, it really is to actually leverage other people's skills. Yeah. Right? So it's I'm I'm very happy. And that's you, how you proceeded, right? Because I'm not I'm when I when I, when I say that, I'm not saying you can never be a businessman or woman. Yeah. I'm just saying right now, this is not you. Yeah. Right? And so what you're able to do is you're able to leverage other people and you're able to learn, which propels you. But mm. there are some people who won't do that. Yeah. And they hold on to it. I'm just like, you have to understand your idea is nothing special. Mm-hmm. Like, release it to the world. I release every all my prices. We, we start charging students minimum $30 for the hour. Mm-hmm. I release it. I release everything. But I just know there's no one out there who's going to work as hard as me, even the larger corporations, which is why we're able to like 
start to itch closer towards them because no one it's the work ethic what it comes down to mm-hmm. so i just know that i can release all my blueprints and they still won't be able to catch up mm-hmm. right and that's the same thing i see with you as well okay yeah man. appreciate that okay is there any last piece of value you can leave with our listeners today the last piece of value is the best person that you want around you they're called analytical drivers, mm-hmm. right? And if you have someone who's analytical, they never make decisions because they, they I call it paralysis by analysis. They never move forward. If you have friends like that who analyze, it's good to have them. What you need are driver. It's someone who says, we're going to do this. I don't care what the outcome is. We're going to do this because I feel like this is good. The perfect person you want to do business with is an analytical driver because they can analyze but not be paralyzed by it. They'll make a decision based off of a brief analysis. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to do business with someone or if you're going to make a decision with someone, you have to make sure they both analyze and they're a driver or you have two separate people. One person who is analytical, who will think, 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 and one person who is a driver who will make a decision. The analytical person is just as important as a driver because sometimes driver balance between the two. So I would say anyone who's going to do a business, make sure you have someone who is an analytical driver. If you have that person, no matter what thing you do, you do very well with. Mm -hmm. And for those who also feel like they're lost, like in grade 12 or in university and they feel like they're lost, just make sure that if you feel like you're being pressured to go to school, you can go to school. But the main purpose of going to school is to network, which is why school costs so much money. Because they're telling you that they're bringing a whole bunch of professionals into one place. So don't just go to class and leave. Talk to your professors and you can open up positions that way so that you maximize your 40 grand for your undergrad, right? Which is sometimes even more for other people. Yeah. So those are my last kind of words of wisdom for everyone. Okay. Okay. And how can the Purposeful Story family reach out to you or follow you on your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah. So again, our company is Luke's Tailored Tutoring. Uh, we have Instagram. You could do Luke's Tutoring as well. Sometimes that might show up. Our, our website is lukestutoring.com. Um, there you can find my email as well. And I'm, I'm going to be posting all of our prices there as well soon. Um, Facebook, Instagram, you can message. If you message, you either get one of my team or you get me directly. And those are the main places you can reach out to me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate you coming on the show today, Luke. Absolutely. Thank you, Purposeful Story family, for listening to the Purposeful Story podcast. And remember to live every day with purpose so all your actions are clear. Peace. That's all for this episode. I hope listening to this podcast left you with valuable information that either strengthened your purpose or helped bring you closer to finding your purpose. We all have a different journey in life. And this podcast is in support of everyone's purposeful journey. Thank you so much for tuning in because without you, there is no Purposeful Story podcast. Please feel free to email me at info at and let me know what you thought of this episode. To help spread the valuable information this podcast has to offer, all I ask is for you to subscribe to the podcast via the Apple Podcast app, Podcast Addict, Google Play Music or CastBox, give a rating, and pass this podcast on to one friend that you feel could benefit from this information. Don't forget to follow I Am Kobe Talks on Instagram for updates on new episodes and go to IamKobe.com forward slash Purposeful Story for more valuable content. Special thanks to DJ Anna for the beats and Lala Writes for the editing. Before you go, please remember that purpose drives your actions and your actions are a result of your purpose. Thanks again for listening. Talk soon. Purposeful Story.